um, Gospel of John, five, five books that he's written, and he uses the word love 82 times. And the Apostle Paul, who wrote 12, at least 12, depending on how you think of the book of Hebrews, but at least 12 books that Paul wrote, Paul mentions the word love 13 times. So you can see, see that John was very much into the idea that God loved us and we should love one another. It's in John where Jesus is recorded as having said, a new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another. And so I'm going to read these verses and you see if you can pick out the phrase, two-word two phrase, and then we'll go from there. He says here in verse 7 of 1 John chapter 4, Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. And this was manifested the love of God toward us, that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. Herein is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Propitiation might be satisfaction for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to, to uh, also to love one another. No man has seen God at any time. If we love God, another God dwelleth in us, and his love is perfected in us. By this know we that we dwell in him and he in us, because he hath given us of his spirit. And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him, and he in God. And we have known and believe the love that God hath to us. God is love. Again, that phrase repeated from verse 8, and the thought throughout the whole passage here. And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect, that we might have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath punishment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. But we love him because he first loved us. If a man says, I love God, and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God loveth his brother also. So, the phrase I want to look at here, and we're going to look in James chapter 1 as well, um, is the word perfected, or perfect love. And uh, please come in. <laughs> Hello, Bill and Debbie. Good to see you. <laughs> okay. 
We're in First John chapter four. Uh, there's a row right here in the middle that, that's open. <laughs> okay. First John chapter four, verses seven and eight, and the following. And we're talking about a phrase, a two-word phrase, that says, love perfected, or perfect love. And uh, the word in the Greek for the word perfect is teleos. It is a word that means uh, full or complete, or it means uh, perfect or mature, something that you can't add to or, or subtract from. It is, it is absolutely perfect. It is complete. And um, that is a wonderful thing to talk about love in this phrase. It's the phrase teleos agape, uh, teleos love, teleos agape, and we saw it three times here. It also occurs in chapter two. And the idea is of um, completeness or perfect. I'd like to take a look at this word teleos just for a minute. Turn over to the book of James, if you would, please. James chapter one. And verse four. You remember, teleos agape. And so uh, verse four says, but let patience have her perfect teleos work, that you may be perfect and entire, lacking nothing. And so we see patience here as, as a key to the fact that things that God would use us to learn patience and in so doing, become complete and mature in our Christian walk. Look at verse 17 of James chapter 1. And again, we find that word perfect here. It says here in verse 17, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. And so again, we have perfect and it's a gift from god and god's gifts are perfect they are complete and when god gives a gift well it, it says in romans the gifts and the calling of god are irrevocable they cannot be taken away and so uh, they are perfect and uh, we can trust god and and so forth so every good and perfect gift cometh from above and if you would look again at verse 25 in chapter 1 of james um Whoever looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth in us, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the word, this man shall be blessed indeed. And so we have the idea here that the perfect law of liberty. What, how do we have liberty in the, in the Lord? And as we come to the word of God and as we study the word of God, we, are, we find a perfect law a perfect law of liberty that we can, that we can stand in or, or, or walk in. The idea of love, we, we live in a world, as the scriptures have encouraged us to understand, that uh, the love of many will grow cold. This is our society today. There's not much love out there. And uh, there's not love for people. There's, a, there's a people fighting to have their own ideas and their own ways and uh, people hindering 
even the meeting assembling together of uh, as the Lord instructed us to in Hebrews 10:25, and and they would they would really stop the church from meeting all together if they could. And this is the and uh, they don't want Christians out there proclaiming God's truth. They want to stop us. And um, you know, it's uh, the idea of love uh, in our world society. Today, the love of many growing cold. It's uh, they say that I've read somebody in a book recently who said marriages do not really end because of infidelity so much. The relationships just die and they do not care anymore. Um, and uh, I, I, was in a, I was in a restaurant one time and uh, a song came on over the intercom as we were eating. It was an old song of the new artist. Uh, Tina Turner sang this song years ago, back in the 70s, I think, and I couldn't believe that somebody else had made the song. And, and she, this new singer is singing, what's love got to do with it? What's love got to do with it? Love is nothing but a secondhand emotion. And I thought, oh my goodness, that's a horrible song. And um, because there should be love in our relationships, love in our marriages, love between a husband and wife, and love has everything to do with it. <laughs> and uh, that's what we would, that's what we should be like. We should emphasize and, and have love together. And um, love for each other in the home, love between husband and wife, parents and children, love in the local church. You know, love has everything to do with it. And uh, it says here, as we were reading in verses back in First John, that um, we, it's, it's the fact that we can love at all is because God is love and God has shown us how we should be behaving, how we should be acting. And, uh, and so therefore, the Christian who does not show love is not walking with the Lord. And uh, God be love then, you, when you know God, uh, you should walk in love and, uh, because God is love. And the idea of loving in the Bible is, is giving. God so loved the world that he gave. So we give of each other to, the, to our spouses or to our kids and so forth. And so love is so extremely important in the relationship, in the family, in the church, and so forth. And this is where we get this phrase, when love is perfected. Um, you might put it this way. What... <clears throat> When love has accomplished what it sets out to do, it will be complete. It will be perfect. So that's what teleosagape, I think that's just my little definition of it. When love accomplishes what it sets out to do, uh, we will love one another. Let's take a look at um, uh, the, the, back in verse 11. <clears throat> and look at this phrase, teleosagape. Verse 11. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to also love one another. No man hath seen God at any time, <clears throat> but if we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and his love is perfected in us. Telios agape. And so the fact that God's love can be uh, perfected in us has to do with our relationships. We should love one another and uh, tr a true lover is somebody who who just loves and that's loves other people loves their lord and wants and loves the lost and wants to reach the lost love is the essential quality that should be in all of our lives we should love one another uh francis schaefer when i was uh, younger 
my formative, more formative years in my late early 20s, there was an outstanding theologian in Labrie, Switzerland. Many of us who are older will remember him, Francis Schaeffer. And I think I had every book he ever wrote. I just, when he had a new book out, I went to a place that many of you don't see anymore. It's called a Christian bookstore. <laughs> you know, the only way you can find it now is online, right? <laughs> it's, it, what, a, what a loss. We could walk into a Christian bookstore and walk up and down the, the racks and look at the different writers and the books. And, and I'm going to refer to a Chuck Colson book called Loving God and uh, Francis Schaeffer's book, The Mark of a Christian. And uh, it's a shame we don't have bookstores anymore. I really miss them. And you could buy Christian CDs and, and, and beautiful gifts and stuff with, with Bible verses on them. What a, what a shame that we uh, don't have them anymore. I'm not sure why we lost them all, but we have apparently. My, my wife was saying, Jeff, is there a Mardell's bookstore somewhere around here? I'm not even sure there is anymore in the area here. But uh, back in Colorado, we did have a Mardell's, and we would go in there whenever we had a chance to look at these, these bookstores. But, you know, there's Christian writers like Francis Schaeffer and A.W. Tozer and C.S. Lewis and uh, uh, Chuck Colson, who wrote Loving God. These, this is the stuff that you bought back in those days and you had them on your little bookshelf in your house and you would read them and go back and read them again and refer to them. Uh, it, the mark of a Christian, Francis Schaeffer says, is love. It's that we show love to each other. And, uh, and uh, Chuck Colson wrote his book, Loving God. And in his book, he tells the story of an inmate in a prison. And um, this inmate uh, wrote to him and said, Mr. Colson, can you do something? There's this dear lady, and she writes to me, and she writes to me all the time. And uh, Chuck Colson said she also would, out of her brief little pension, send a little gift to the ministry of prison ministry. And, uh, she, but this, this inmate at a local prison said, no one has ever shown this kind of love to me before. This woman... This older lady loved me. And uh, Tertullian was uh, one of the church fathers in the, maybe the first or second century and after the life of John was gone. And the church went on. Tertullian was one of the early church fathers. And he, he wrote about a phrase. that I just want to give this phrase to you. He said, my, how those Christians in the first century, how they, they love each other. We love each other. We love him who first loved us, and we ought to love one another in the local church. Telios Agape, the first time we see this phrase in chapter 4, he is saying to us, um, you know, brothers and sisters, God's love has accomplished what it sets out to do when you love one another. And, um, you know, let's, we're all individuals, and we all have our own personalities. We all have our own backgrounds. The families we grew up in were different. And, um, but the, uh, the idea being here about love is that no matter how different we are, or different that our cultures are, or different what our experiences are, and we can come together in the local church and experience love between one another. And that's, that's a wonderful thing. I, I can share this. My wife 
said this to me this morning or last night. Um, she says she was thinking about her Sunday school class and she's over teaching in the other building. And she's looked at me and smiled and she says, Jeff, I'm, I love the idea of going to church again. I like going to church. Uh, I, I enjoy what's happening here at Palms. And I just love it. And uh, I, we can't say that about every church that we've been to, but uh, there's, I don't know, there's been a lot of love here. And I'm really very, very thankful to God for that. I can you have your wife look at you and say, I, I love going to church again. And that's exciting. And so may we, all of us, put the Lord first and put each other first and, and keep that going. <laughs> and may that love take a hold of us and get and propel us out the door to love the unsaved. And uh, I, I have to admit, uh, was it last week when we got here, there was a homeless person back by the dumpster. And, um, you know, I, I thought, how can we show love to this person? Um, you, you know, we, I can see that they, they shouldn't be there. But on the other hand, what could we have done to at least demonstrate love to them? And I'm, I'm going to pray about that. And you pray with me if that happens again. Maybe we can work up a packet that has some kind of food or bottles of water and some gospel tracts in it. And, and uh, I don't know. Let's just ask God how we can show love to people like that. But um, at any rate, you know, love has accomplished what it sets out to do when we love one another. And may that be exciting in your life and mine. And uh, we must never set limits on those we will love. When we only love those who are like us, those we feel comfortable with, then we are using a base selection process and we'll leave out those who are different from us. So we should love one another. And um, the, the epistle of James warns us about showing favoritism to the wealthy. If a man shows up and he is robed in fine clothing and has as shows that he's got a lot of money and we show love to him and come up here and sit in front, have a nice seat, James says. But if somebody comes along who is poor and doesn't have the same kind of raiment and doesn't have the same uh, look about him that he certainly doesn't have much money. Um, and you, you sit back over here, you know, uh, we, we, we shouldn't do that. <laughs> we shouldn't show favoritism amongst people but we should love everyone in the Lord Jesus Christ. Aren't you glad God loves you? Aren't you glad that God demonstrated his love toward us and that when you and I were sinners, Christ died for us? I am. I'm so thankful that God loves me. And um, I was walking through uh, Fry's grocery store a week ago or so, and there was an African-American girl um, coming up the aisle towards me, pushing a cart, and I... You know, I was far enough away, but close enough that I could read her T-shirt. And it said, Jesus. <laughs> it said, Jesus. And I stopped and I said, amen. I love your shirt. Praise the Lord. And she kind of smiled and kept going. And I kept going, you know, talking to strangers and bashes or fries. You know, that's okay. But I mean, she smiled. Here she was demonstrating to anybody who at fries wanted to read that she loves Jesus. And uh, we may never meet in a church, I'm ashamed, 
But uh, this dear lady, and she was a younger lady, and she just demonstrated her love for Jesus Christ. Okay. Teleosagape. When love accomplishes what it's set out to do, we will love one another. Praise God for that. Now let's take a look at the second time it's found here in, in chapter 4, um, verse 17. Herein is our love made perfect. Teleos, agape, our agape is made perfect. Teleos. That we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. Teleos, agape. What is this day of judgment? I thought about that for a while. He's not, going to talk, he's not talking about capital T, the, the day of judgment. I don't think. I don't think he's talking about the, the day of the Lord. I don't think he's talking about the day that Christ comes back or the, the, the tribulation period or anything else. I, I think what, because all of the illustrations we have, the one we have in chapter 2, it says if we show love, we will obey God's word. We didn't go back to chapter 2, but that's what that verse is, verse is saying in chapter 2, verse 5. And uh, if I have time at the end, I may swing back over there and take a look at that. But here in chapter 4, verse 17, herein is our love made perfect. Here is, here is to that when our love accomplishes what it sets out to do, we will have boldness <coughs> in the day of judgment. Or we, we will have confidence, maybe your translation says, in the day of judgment. Confidence. What happens? What is he saying here? That when love accomplishes what it sets out to do, uh, and we find ourselves being judged. Somebody's looking at us and pointing the finger and says, well, I don't like how they do this, or I don't like how they look, or I don't like how he does, he speaks, or I don't like how, you know, whatever. I don't like the way he lives his Christian life. Uh, you know, uh, whatever it is, when we look at somebody and we, in our eyes, we throw daggers at them, you know, because uh, we're judging them. And, um, you know, <laughs> he's saying here, uh, True lovers build confidence in people. So lovers love one another. And two, lovers build confidence in somebody else. And um, how about in our children? How about in our spouse? How about in our neighbors? Or uh, I was visiting my dad one time and my dad was having a feud with the man next door. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. The older he got, the, the stranger he got. <laughs> he, he led me to the Lord when I was a kid. But this man was cutting down a limb in his backyard, and he was pulling it up between the two houses. And my dad went charging out and said, get your limb out of my yard. I'm just going out to the street to, to, to get out of here. And I thought, Dad. Um, but as he got older in his, in his age, he... Um, my, my wife's mother did the same thing. She would, I'm not going to go into all the illustrations, but well, you know, I, I'm, I'm saying to the Lord, Lord, help me as I get older, not to get strange. <laughs> you know, help me not to be like my dad in that sense. You know, he was an evangelist and he led people to the Lord. Now he was just 
angry at his neighbor. It's just, dad, wow. But you see, judging, um, looking at somebody else and not liking them and, and pointing the finger at them. And uh, you see, I'm going to say it again the third time, lovers build confidence. Now, are your, are your kids um, afraid of you? Um, are you building confidence in their lives? When I was going to uh, seminary, I decided that my wife, and we started having our family. I said, honey, I want you home with our child when Michelle was born. I don't want you to, to get a job, and, and I want you to stay home. And so I went to school. I went to full-time to the seminary I was going to. And then I would come home, grab a lunch, and then drive all the way across town 20 miles to a savings and loan building that I, a man at church helped me get a job, and I was the after-hours teller. And they had a walk-in lobby, and, and everything else was locked up. I was the only person there. And uh, people could walk into this lobby until either 8 or 9 at night, and I would make their deposits, cash their checks if they were customers, and so on. And um, then I would drive all the way back home. And uh, I guess it was eight I closed up, get home by before nine, and then study for tomorrow's classes. And I was not sleeping. And uh, we were going through old pictures recently, and I had a little, little picture of my little girl. She was on her tiptoes. She was looking over her dad's shoulder, you know, when I was sitting at my desk studying. And I know there were times that I just said, honey, I can't right now. I can't play with you right now. I've got to, you know. And... Uh, I wasn't building confidence in her. Critical. I don't like this or I don't like that. Is that the kind of demonstration of where my love is at? And I really, the Lord had to really speak to me. And uh, so every opportunity I had, I, I got to get together with my little girl and uh, hug her and love her. And um, it's just so important. Lovers build confidence. When, we were, when I was in seminary uh, my last year, well, every year we had a guest speaker come in for spring break. Uh, it wasn't spring break. It was a spring conference, excuse me. And uh, this year we brought in an incredible evangelical. His name is Dr. Armand Nikolai. He was the head of the School of Psychology at Harvard. And he was a solid evangelical Christian, born again. And our professors knew him. He was invited to come and be our speaker at, at this spiritual emphasis week. And I, I tell you, what a guy. You know, and I heard his biography and heard his, all his credentials and stuff. I came in early and sat in the front row. And he, he, he talked about the errors of Freudian psychology. He talked about relationships. He talked about being loving our children and, and, and just, just sat there with my mouth hanging open, listening to this brilliant man. And finally, the last day, we could, we could ask questions. And one of my fellow students who was also sitting in the front row, uh, he, he said, Doctor, he raised his hand when we were told we could ask questions, and Dr. Nikolai called on him, and he says, Dr. Nikolai, he said, uh, how can we love our children? How should we love our children? And uh, 
he paused. I'll never forget what he said. He said, he said, um, you must spend quality time with them. And number two, and this is what blew me away. He says, number two, let them win once in a while. And uh, do I have to be right every time? And uh, just spoke to me. Let them win once in a while. Whether it's a game or a discussion or a disagreement, um, let them win once in a while. Huh. Paul said, fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath. Ephesians, is it chapter 6? Don't provoke your children to wrath. I always used to wrestle, how do I do that? And maybe, but the fact that I would come to the place in my mind where I'm thinking, I have to be right every time. Do it my way. Just be quiet. I'm busy. Don't interrupt me when I'm studying. Um, let him win once in a while. The husband or the wife that brings a critical and judgmental eye to their relationship will not show love. They will not build confidence in their partner. One of the wisest things I ever did was um, in our relationship with Alice, and I hope there were more than one, but <laughs> um, I decided the house was her domain. And so I said to her, hon, you know, I have, you know, do what you want to do. Decorate the way you want to decorate. And, uh, you know, but just, this is your domain. And um, we had a couple in a church I was an elder at in California. And they, they, we went to visit them, you know, shepherds visit. And so we went to their house and there were no pictures on the walls. Stuff were kind of piled in a certain corner. There were no pots or decor decorative things, you know, with flowers in them. There were, it was just the walls are bare, the, the, the furniture was bare. And I could see all this stuff, and I said, oh, you guys haven't gotten around to um, decorating your house yet. And he looked at me, and he says, we can't agree on how it should go. <laughs> and so we're not doing anything until we agree. And so it, it had been there for months. <coughs> and I, you know, I think I may have taken him aside <laughs> when I got him alone. And said, you know, one of the wisest things I ever did was let the house be my wife's domain. Let her, let her win once in a while. And then tell her what a good job she's doing. And give her, give her a blessing and, a, and a, that type of thing. So, um, when Helios Agape, the second one in this chapter, love will accomplish what it sets out to do when we love each other. A love will accomplish what it sets up to do when we build confidence in, in, and don't let a day of judgment overwhelm us. Verse 17, herein is our love made teleos that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. Then we come to the, the third time it's found in this chapter. Teleos Agape, verse 18. There is no fear 
in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Because fear hath punishment in view. He that feareth is not made teleos in love. Fear. You know, we are experiencing fear in our society today. They want us to be afraid. And, uh, you know, so you better, you know, do all these steps, even though yeah, I'm, I'm not going to get into it. I, I told myself I shouldn't. But I mean, um, you know, stop and think about it. What, why is all this going on? Fear. They're using fear to control our society. And so that the next step comes along and there's a Bill Gates cocktail that you're supposed to inject into your body. You will do that because you've been taught to be submissive. And, there, and um, one of the most incredible articles I've read recently and I'm just, I'm going against what I told myself I would do, but let me just finish this, is, a, is an article written by a very liberal Democrat whose uncle was the president of the United States, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. And his father was attorney general and, and both brothers were assassinated. And Robert F. Kennedy said, he says, I can't believe it. The whole purpose of all these things is submission and control. That's what's going on. Fear. Don't, 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 don't be afraid. Why? He says here, perfect love casts out fear. Don't be afraid. You know, um, God is on the throne. He is sovereign. And I've said before from this pulpit, nothing's going to come into your life that has not passed through his hands. Nothing. Trust him. And what's the worst that can happen? You know, you go to heaven and be with Jesus. <laughs> I, you know, but, um, oh, well. Um, let's take a look at this a little closer about fear. You see, not only do lovers build confidence in the day of judgment, but lovers eliminate fear or help process it. Did you get that? Lovers eliminate fear. If love and love has accomplished what it sets out to do, we will eliminate fear in our wife or husband, in our children, in the people we work with, or the people at church, or whatever it is. We don't need to use fear. We eliminate it. And, uh, uh, boy. <laughs> um, Kay Arthur uh, was a lady back in my day, again. Some of you probably have never even heard of her. And uh, once again, you know, uh, I've been around for a few decades, <laughs> so I know these names. Kay Arthur uh, had a ministry called Precepts Ministry. And she was primarily a ministry to women. Although our, our Sunday school class at the assembly I was at in, in Houston used her materials and uh, in, a, in a joint class, so husbands and wives and so forth. Kay Arthur said in her book, um, women have two fears, primary fears. They fear being rejected or deserted, that's number one. And they fear just being an object. You know, just being an object. 
like Vashti was to Ahasuerus and Esther. A trophy wife. <laughs> you know, and then when she stuck up for her freedom, she, she was ostracized, Vashti. And that's what women have two fears. The men have two fears, she goes on to say. A man, some of a man's fears are he doesn't want to be inadequate as a man. And then the second fear she says the men have is she doesn't want to, he doesn't want to be dominated by a strong-willed woman. So we all have fears in our relationships and it, it governs, governs us. But you see, we, we love him because he first loved us and we demonstrate love in our lives. And so when we come to the place where love is accomplishing what God wants it to do in your life and my life. Uh, look, look what he says here. Perfect love casts out fear. Because fear has the idea of punishment. And uh, he that feareth is not made perfect in love. I want to end with a, with a story. Um, and again, there's another book. And I miss Christian bookstores. I really do. Um, it's a book by Philip Yancey. And the title of his book is What's So Amazing About Grace? And if you haven't read that, or read Francis Schaeffer, or read Chuck Colson, or A.W. Tozer, or C.S. Lewis, I, I, if you can go to a, uh, YouTube or Amazon, Amazon, and find these books and get a used copy of one, you would be doing yourself tremendous favor. It's um, tremendous, the, uh, the insights of these men. They, they affected my life. They affected my education. When I went to seminary, they affected the way I preach. They affected the way I teach. To listen to a Ravi Zachariah or an R.C. Sproul, if whether you agree with everything he says or not, it's it, or a Vernon Grounds, who was one of my favorite professors at school. It just it just was an example to me, and I and I admired these men. Philip Yancey in his book, "What's So Amazing About Grace?" I think it was on page fifty-one. I have a little note. Tells the story of a young girl who, when she was a teenager, ran away from home because. Maybe her father never let her win. I don't know. And uh, he said, no, you're going to do this. You're not going to do that and all this sort of thing. And she was rebellious. And she wanted to hang out with whoever she wanted to hang out with. And she wanted to do what she wanted to do. And the father was saying, no, 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 no. So and he's probably right. But um, it's how, I don't know. So she ran away from home, went into to, uh a big city, maybe New York, something like that. And, um, you know, her money was soon gone. She was sleeping on a park bench. She had nothing to eat, too proud to go home. And so Yancey tells the story how this man comes along and says, I, can, I know where you can sleep. I have some food for you. And he was, you know, he was a pimp and he ended up getting her to a library to leave it there. And uh, he gave her drugs and uh, that type of thing. And so this girl who ran away from a Christian home, that's where she was at. And um, she was getting sicker by the day. And uh, the, re the result of her lifestyle. And uh, 
she finally, like the prodigal son, re remembered her father's house. And so she gathered whatever money she had been given that, you know, wasn't much, but she bought a bus at home, according to Yancey in this book. And she called up her house and they were at home, so she left a message on the answering machine. And she said, uh, Mom and Dad, I'm going to be uh, on the bus. It's going to come into your town on such and such a day in the evening, such and such a time, and late afternoon, whatever. And, um, you know, um, if you're there and you want me to come back home, I'm, I want to do that. But if you're not there, I'll understand. I'll just stay on the bus and keep going. And so um, the time came and her bus pulled in. And every time I think of this, I get tears. <laughs> Here were over 40 members of her family. Balloons, banners, welcome home. We love you. She got off the bus and she went over to them and her father came bursting out of the crowd and she, said, she started to say, Dad, I'm so sorry. He says, quiet, dear. We don't have time for that. Um, you know, um, we have a banquet prepared for you. And um, so uh, he took her home. And the banquet was prepared. So, dear friends, uh, remember the phrase, love perfected. Love accomplishes what it sets out to do. We will love each other. We will have confidence in the day of judgment. And uh, we will eliminate fear. Let's close with a word of prayer. Father, we thank you and praise you for your loving kindness to us. We thank you, Lord, that love can be perfected. It can come, help us become complete and mature in our Christian walk. And I just praise you for this, Lord. And I give you the glory in Jesus' name. Amen.